Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. ask you guys uh, a bit of a question to start off here. I know we're a little bit far from Easter, like it's not really relevant to the time we're in now, but I have a question. Who here did uh, an Easter egg hunt when you were a kid? Yeah. Who here has kids and, and does like an Easter egg hunt for them? A few people. Who here is a little too old but still likes to have an Easter egg hunt? Yeah. Some of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this year for Easter, we did an Easter egg hunt for Skylar, our daughter. She's six. Um, and so in the morning, I went outside. I hid all the eggs in our yard. And we have a little small deck there. So I, I hid some on there too. And so I called Skylar out to, to look for them. Um, so some of them were hidden uh, a little bit better than others, right? Some are pretty much like right in plain sight. Like she walks up the door and it's like, oh, there's one right in front of me. Um, and then the others are like a little bit harder to, to find, right? So, so Skylar, uh, as, as she's doing this hunt, she finds all the easy ones. And then it's time to kind of like move on to some of the harder ones. So uh, uh, there's this game uh, that we play called like the hot or cold game. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like she gets closer to the egg and you say hot, or you say you're getting warmer, right? And she gets further away, and you say, okay, you're cold, you're, you're getting cooler. Um, yeah, I think we all know that game, right? So one, one of the last eggs that was left, it was on our deck. And uh, it, was, it was hidden a little bit by one of the fence posts. And so um, what she needed to do was she needed to kind of come along around the other side of the deck to, to try and find it. So I tell her to come down the stairs and we play this hot-cold game, right? Um, so she walks up uh, a little bit close to it. I'm like, you're getting hotter. And she comes up to it and then she passes it. And so I'm like, you're getting colder. And she comes back and I'm like, okay, now you're getting warmer again, right? She goes too far the other way. And I'm like, okay, now you're getting colder again, right? You guys get the idea. But where she was standing from, uh, where, where she was standing, uh, the, the egg was like eye level though, right? But she had thought it was on the ground. And so she was like, um, she was looking on the ground. She had her head down and she's like going back and forth, like back and forth. Like I'm like, it's right in front of you here. Um, uh, but she didn't know that. She's going like hot and, hot and cold, just looking for something that was right in front of her. She eventually found the egg, right? She found them all. Um, congratulations. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, the, the point of the story is this. All of us sometimes are like Skylar here. We're looking in the wrong places for things that will satisfy us spiritually. All right, today um, is a little bit what we're talking about today. And as James mentioned, we're talking about the idea of rest and how often we're prone to search for rest in the things other than God. Um, we're prone to search in the wrong places for rest. So today is Simple Sunday, meaning that today, again, we give our volunteers rest for the regular, for, 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 for uh, regular setup and, and teardown routine. Um, so it's rather fitting that the, this would be the topic that we would be discussing today. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we'll be having a picnic at the park following the service, and so I hope you all can join us for that. 
Um, but this, this idea of rest we're exploring in our series called Spiritual Practices in the Psalms. And in it, we're looking at very practical ways that we can deepen our joy and affection for God from the book of Psalms. That's, a, that's essentially the, the reason why we're doing this series, is to see how we can be sharpened to have a deeper delight in God. As the series alludes to spiritual practices in the Psalms, our passages that we've been preaching from have all been in the book of Psalms. Today we're going to jump around a little bit in the Bible, um, and we're going to use the Psalms as a, more of a, a supplemental text for today in order to give us a, a more broader understanding of what the Bible says about rest. Before we do that, though, I want to begin with a word of prayer. Um, God, we thank you that we can be here again today and worship you and hear from your word preached. Um, we ask that we would find our deepest rest in you. Um, God, we thank you that uh, Jesus has done enough on our behalf and we don't need to, to work hard to earn our salvation, but find our identity in you um, and come to you for our rest. Uh, ask that you would just open our hearts to, to hear your word today. Would we be receptive, receptive to it? And would we just see the importance of resting in you in our lives? We love you. Praise in Jesus' name. All right, we're going to jump right in here. Uh, first point I want us to see here is this. Rest in God frees us from what we're enslaved to. Rest in God frees us from what we're enslaved to. What we see in Scripture is that the biblical idea of rest is frequently tied into uh, freedom from slavery. So rest is often described as a release from slavery. So let me, let me give you an example here. Uh, the first time that rest is imposed on people is, is when Moses reads the Ten Commandments. Uh, I don't know if you know that rest is one of the commandments. So I'm going to read for, for us what it says in Deuteronomy 5. It says in verse 12, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. He goes on to say, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So, uh, this is after God has brought the Israelites out of Egypt where they were slaves. If you're familiar with your Bible, you might remember the brutal conditions of the slavery in Egypt. The Israelites were, they were forced to, to build these cities for the Egyptians. They were forced to make brick for them, and they were forced to, to work in the fields. Uh, this is what it says in the first chapter of Exodus. It says, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and, and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So uh, what we see here is the Israelites were enslaved to their work, 
right? They were bound to brutal work conditions without rest. In fact, in this story, there's a point where Moses confronts Pharaoh and he pleads for him to let the Israelites go. Some of us are probably familiar with this, right? Uh, God, he sends the 10 plagues upon Egypt and after the 10th plague, the Israelites are released. But what happens before is the, the, the very first time that Moses asks for the people to, to be released, we hear Pharaoh's response, right? So this is what Pharaoh says in response to, to Moses asking for their freedom. He says, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? He says, get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The issue here clearly is that he would not allow them to have any rest. Uh, it, it continues, it says, The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it. For they are idle, therefore they cry, let us go offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. All right, so I think we, we get the picture here, right? The Israelites are forced into this intense labor and it continues, right? It gets worse and worse. They're, they're slaves to their work. There was no rest from their burdens. And they were brutally tasked with just work without cease. And so why, that, that's why it is so important that we see where this commandment comes from in Deuteronomy 5. He says, observe the Sabbath. He also says, let your servants observe the Sabbath. God says, the way that you were living before in Egypt, this is not the way I designed it. I designed work with rest in mind. Therefore, you're not to treat your servants like the Egyptians treated you, right? You rest, your servants also rest, and, and so rest here, it comes out of a beautiful design from God that we would not be enslaved to our work. All right, this is for the, the workaholics out there. Stop and, and allow yourself once a week to delight in God. Um, this is my father-in-law, right? My father-in-law will often be caught uh, going into work on his day off because something needs to be done, or he's restless, or he's bored. Um, I know there's, there's people in this room that are like that too, right? You work too much. Um, and here's my message to you. God has given you a day off so that you would remember that he is not like the evil ruler Pharaoh who enslaves his people to work, right? And trusting him to rest is a way that you can put your faith in him and show the world the good God that we worship. So stop and refocus your attention on God and delight in him. Rest frees us from what we are enslaved to. All right, so some of us, on the other hand, are not exactly prone to enslavement to work, but perhaps enslavement to other things, right? It's not only work that, that can enslave us. What else can we be enslaved to? Well, we can be enslaved to a number of things. That could be success, it could be entertainment, it could be pornography, legalism, religious activity. It could be an addiction that you have. Um, in, in the New Testament, there were a group of people called the Pharisees, and these were the super religious people of their day. 
And what you often see throughout the gospel is Jesus healing people on the Sabbath in front of these people, the Pharisees. And what it does is it exposes what these people were really enslaved to. So let me explain for us. So uh, numerous times Jesus sees people who are ill, who are in pain, who are suffering, and he heals them on the Sabbath. And what usually happens as a result is that this really riles up the Pharisees, right? They see his healing as he's breaking the law, right? He's breaking the commandment. You must observe the Sabbath. Uh, In fact, they're oblivious to the fact that Jesus healing these people from their ailments is doing the very heart of the Sabbath, right? It's providing them rest, right? Because of Jesus, the, the, these people who have ailments, whether it's whatever disease or, or injury or whatever it is, uh, they now have rest from their disease and their suffering and, and the result of sin in this world. But all the Pharisees, uh, they just get really mad at this, right? All they can see is that Jesus is supposedly breaking the law, right? So what you can say of, of the Pharisees here is that their blindness uh, to this in their blindness to this, is that they are slaves to the law, right? They're legalists. They're operated out of a works-based religion. And uh, we see in, in the book of Galatians, similarly, Paul uses this enslavement language to describe some of the false teaching that was entering the Galatian church. Um, in, in this book, there, there were people that were saying, you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. In other words, you have to obey the law, and Jesus is not enough. So this is what Paul writes in Galatians 5. He says this. He says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So what he's saying is this. He's saying, If you're depending on being good enough to earn your favor with God, then you must be absolutely perfect. That's the the standard. You you better not mess up at all, right? Trying to earn your salvation is enslavement to the law. If if you're betting on yourself to be good enough to earn your way into God's graces, like you have to be perfect. And of course, no one is, right? But if that's what your hope is, your own good moral behavior— then you're enslaved to fulfilling the entire law. But he says, rather, Christ has set us free so we can rest in him. All of that to say, uh, work may not be what we're prone to be enslaved to. It may be legalism. It could even be a form of pleasure. But whatever it is, rest in God frees us from what we're enslaved to. The next thing I want us to see is this. Resting shows that God is in, control, is, in, is in charge of our world. Resting shows that God is in charge of our world. I'm going to read this from Psalm 127. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. In in this psalm, we see that God is in control, right? No matter how hard we work, unless God is in it, 
it's futile, right? It's completely pointless. There is no need to worry all day, 24-7, about your work because unless God is in it, it will not succeed. And on the contrary, if God is in it, his plans will be accomplished. So allow yourself to rest because God is in control. Um, I heard this, this quote this week from a Hebrew scholar. I wrote it down earlier, and I could not pronounce it for the life of me, so I just deleted it. Um, I'll find it for you after if you want to know who it is. Um, but so he's speaking uh, from, on rest from a Jewish perspective. He says this. He says, one day out of seven, the Israelite is, is to renounce dominion over his own time and recognize God's dominion over it. Simply put, every seventh day, the Israelite renounces his autonomy and affirms God's dominion over him. And then he goes on to say, he says, keeping the Sabbath is acceptance of the kingdom and sovereignty of God. So this is what we're saying when we rest. We're saying, God, I am not in control. You are. And it can be easy to get wrapped up in doing more, trying to get one last email in on the weekend or whatever that is. Uh, this is probably particularly true for those who can work remotely. Um, COVID did this for a lot of us. It was just like, hey, we're shutting everything down. Work from home now and work all, all the time now because you can. Um, and it, it, it can often seem like a blessing that we're able to, to kind of work from wherever we are. But unless you build work into, uh, sorry, unless you build rest into your week, you will be constantly working. Um, this week I saw this like uh, this video on Instagram, and so it, had, it was a short video, and it had this caption that read this. It said, "I didn't want to work nine to a nine to five, so I started my own business." I said, "Now I work twenty four seven. All right, so. Rest is, is something that we need to intentionally build into our schedules. Um, I've heard it said before that we will rest whether we want to or not. Either we will do it on our own terms or we will work until we're stressed, sick, and burnt out and we will be forced to rest. It takes faith to trust that God is in control when there are deadlines to meet and there are bills to pay and there are appearances to keep up in the workplace. But resting shows that God is in charge of our world. I'll wrap up this section with, a, with another quote. This is from a pastor named John Mark Comer. Um, if you have a chance, uh, he has a book called Garden City that I would highly recommend. And he writes this. He says, that's why Sabbath is an expression of faith. Faith that there is a creator and he is good. We are his creation. This is his world. We live under his roof, drink his water, eat his food, breathe his oxygen. So on the Sabbath, we don't just take a day off from work. We take a day off from toil. We give him all our fear and our anxiety and stress and worry. We let go. He says, we stop ruling and subduing and we just be. We remember our place in the universe so that we never forget there is a God and I'm not him. Church, rest in the fact that you are not God, but that he is sovereign over absolutely everything. 
So rest in God frees us from what we're enslaved to. Resting shows that God is in charge of our world. Finally, we see that true rest comes from delighting in God. If you're here and and you're wondering, how should I rest? What does rest then look like for me? What is healthy rest? Jesus has an answer for us in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is what rest in God is. It's not lying in bed and watching Netflix or scrolling through Instagram on your break at work. Those are not necessarily bad things, but they're not resting in God. Resting in God is coming to Jesus. It's recognizing his work that he did on your behalf. It's seeing the finished work on the cross and delighting that he did that for you. If you are tired when you have burdens, bring them to Jesus. He promises true rest. Mindlessly scrolling the internet may push your problems out of your mind for a few minutes, but will not truly give you rest. So for those who are enslaved to legalism or a works-based religion, if you feel the need to continuously strive to work for your salvation, know that Jesus did enough on your behalf with the finished work on the cross. And he offers you rest in that. True rest is delighting in the work that Jesus has done for you. I suspect uh, that many of us, including for, for myself, the issue isn't that we struggle working too hard. That sometimes may be the case, but, but um, maybe the, the case is that we're not going to the right place for rest. It's that we're searching for, for rest in places other than Jesus. So I want to ask you a question. Where are you searching for rest? Right? What do you do when you have a free second? Do you pick up your phone? Do you turn on your TV or your computer? Are you relying on your own abilities for satisfaction? Right? Come to Jesus for your rest. Again, for, for, to those who are, are workaholics, stop. Recognize that rest is a gift from a gracious God and that by stopping, You are displaying the goodness of God to the world. You're showing the world that you are no longer a slave to work. And you can show the world that God is in control of your life, not you. To those who may be prone to to laziness, rest in God rather than whatever you're turning to to satisfy. Turn from addiction. Turn from distractions. Turn from instant gratification and turn to Jesus. Rest in God, it relieves us from bondage to work, and it reorients us from laziness. So let me close with this. For many of us, this being Sunday is a day of rest. Um, for, for most, it is a day off work. But is it your Sabbath? And let me challenge you to think how you will use the rest of your day. Right? Will you be enslaved by what you have to do next. I have to get this done, or I need to do this, right? On the other hand, will you be enslaved to pleasure? I just want to veg out all day, or maybe that's I just want to go and get high. Will you take the day to delight 
in Jesus and be satisfied in him. Search for rest in Jesus. No more hot, cold, looking for the things that are going to give me rest. Jesus is who can give you rest. Uh, this is by no means uh, mandatory, but I would invite you to come join us after service today to rest, to enjoy some food together, to, to enjoy the company of the church that God has put in your life, and to delight in Jesus because, he, because of his goodness that he gives rest to those who he loves. Let us be people who come to Jesus and lay our burdens down on him. Let's close in prayer and, and then focus our attention to him in worship. God, again, we thank you for rest in you. Um, we um, praise you that we can come to you, that we're no longer slaves. God, we're no we no longer need to be slaves to uh, our work or, or anything, to pleasure. Um, God, we ask that we would, um, you would, you would transform us, that we would stop looking to, to different things here and there, going back and forth and just focus on what is in front of us, and that's you, Jesus. Um, free us from enslavement to whatever that would be, whether that's work or pleasure. Um, and God, would we, we trust in you? Would we be faithful to uh, trust in you that you are in control over absolutely everything? Would we come to you entirely for our rest? Would we just give our entire lives to you? God, we love you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.